Welcome to T3, Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. Your host is Jose Negron. We take the guesswork out of technological jargon so that you know what's next, why it's great or not so great, and how you can benefit from it by learning about it early. Now, here is Jose Negron. Welcome, everybody. This is your host, Jose Negron, on VoiceAmerica.com on the Variety Channel, hosting the lead technology show, T3, Today, Tomorrow's Technologies, every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time or noon East Coast Time. You can also listen to us every Monday or on Tuesday evening. Uh, So take a look at your local listing for the exact start time at Voice America at the Variety Channel. Before we get started, I'd just like to remind our audience the purpose of T3 is to integrate scientists, engineers, and innovators, our techie audience, with the non-techie folks. This has been our formula for success. We'd like to take uh, the listeners and provide you knowledge that furthers your understanding how technology and, and innovation impacts your lifestyle or your ecosystem. To keep our audience involved in T3 Show, call 866-472-5788 or email me today, tomorrow's technology at gmail.com. I'm excited today because our topic today is about recycling fuel is the time now for the U.S. Uh, And what's important is recycling nuclear fuel is the time now for the U.S. Uh, I will be joined here shortly by my two guests, uh, Mr. Uh, Steve Curtis and Mr. Tom Dolan. Steve worked in radiation and nuclear profession for over 30 years. Currently, he's uh, advancing nuclear energy as a way to contribute to clean energy production, and his ideas on recycling is used. Uh, Nuclear fuel are gaining attention throughout the country. He is a member of the American Nuclear Society and is the past president of the American Nuclear Society in Las Vegas, Nevada. Mr. Tom Dolan has an aviation degree with 25 years law enforcement. Tom Dolan has been trained in and holds the following certificates, Emergency Management Institute, Radiation Emergency Management, Radiation Emergency Response, National Incident Management System, Incident Command System, and National Response Plan and State Disaster Management. So as soon as our two guests uh, are on board, we'll begin uh, our discussion with with our guests. But for right now, let's just talk about nuclear uh, power and why we should be looking at nuclear power as one of our many energy sources that we have in the United States. Uh, in the three segments, I'll break it down in Nuclear Power Industry International, and we'll take a look at the U.S., what the U.S. is doing. In segment uh, two, we'll break it down, uh, who is leading uh, U.S. recycling nuclear fuel, what capacity in recycling is our team offering, Uh, where do we go from here in the United States uh, to work recycling, and in the third segment, we'll begin to wrap up the top reasons uh, the U.S. must begin to recycle fuel. So as I begin my my uh, discussion today, I'd just like to welcome my two guests. I understand they're on board and we're ready to go. Welcome on board, Steve Curtis. 
Oh, Jose, thanks for having me. And welcome on board, Tom Dolan. Hello, Jose. Thanks a lot. Okay. As you heard, I'd like to break down the three segments uh, as we uh, move along. Uh, for now, the U.S. is not recycling nuclear fuel. So let's just start and give the audience a background. Our topic today is recycling nuclear fuel. Is the time now for the U.S. to do so? Uh, let's talk about the state of the nuclear power industry, specifically internationally. Uh, Steve, can you just break that down? And then after we tell the audience what, what's going on internationally, then we can talk a little bit about where where does the U.S. stand on that? Okay. Okay. Steve. Thanks, Jose. Yeah, basically the the rest of the world has taken off with nuclear power and we're standing still. That's the basic premise of it. Uh, most of the reactors are being built in China and they're going to be catching up with our number of reactors probably here in about three years. <clears throat> um Russia is the largest uh, exporter of reactors, and they're, they're have, they have reactors now in 23 different countries, mostly uh, uh, third-world countries that are trying to uh, replace their hydropower with, with uh, uh, nuclear. Um, the United Arab Emirates is very close to bringing four reactors online. They've been building for the last 10 years. So there's a lot of a variety of, of, of nuclear reactors out in the, in the community now, and they're actually building light water reactors everywhere else but here. We have two that are under construction in Vogel, Georgia, and they should be done, uh, one in 2021 and one in 2022. And, uh, but we have not brought any other online uh, or started any new construction since uh, the, the middle of the 80s. Wow. My understanding is uh, China is the fastest growing nuclear power program in the world right now with uh, uh, approximately 11 new reactors under construction. And that's followed because new reactors are being built in India, Russia, and South Korea. Is that correct? Oh, that's correct. <clears throat> they're uh, they're going to probably have 58 reactors in China at the end of this year or end of next year. And, that's, wow. and we have now, we have um, 97 operating reactors. So... They're building 10 or 12 a year in, in China, but they're building everything else, too. They're just really trying to fill their, uh, oh, their demand for electricity because they have a lot more people now demanding electricity. So they're building wind, solar, um, coal-fired plants, natural gas plants, and, uh, and nuclear, but they're really going into nuclear in a big way. So, uh, Steve, uh, before I get into uh, uh, talk to Tom a little bit, why should nuclear power continue to be part of our, uh, I guess, power grid system along with solar, all the renewable fuels, all the green fuels, and the fossil fuels that we currently have now? Yeah, well, when you think about it, uh, if you tried to invent the perfect way to get clean energy, you couldn't do any better than nuclear. It's a very compact uh, energy source. Um, the, the product of it is, is reusable. We only use about uh, 5% of our, the energy every time we put a uh, reactor fuel pot into the reactor. And when it comes out, it's still got 95% of its energy left. And it's very, very well handled. It's very, very safely and, and, and controlled handled. It's a, a waste form that's, like I said, very compact, but it's solid. And so it's not going to, it's a, like a ceramic, like a coffee cup. So it's not really going to be uh, easily uh, entered into the environment. So when you think about it, we can put um, way more nuclear power reactors on the same piece of land as we do for solar and wind. And I think solar and wind have their place, and, I, and I'm glad to see that they're developing and coming along, but they still need subsidies for those. 
And so we as a country have to think of what we want to have in the future as, as a, a clean energy um, situation that we're looking at. And I just think there, it's hard to beat nuclear, nuclear power for that. Yeah, well, I'm struck by nuclear energy still remains the most used source of emission-free energy, despite all the decisions or reduced construction or limited energy. Can you tell me a little bit about the impact that President Carter had in the 76, 77 time frame, and, and how, did it get, how did the U.S. get behind on nuclear power development? Well, um, there's a lot more public information that tries to denigrate nuclear power than there is that promotes it. And that wasn't the case back in the middle 70s. People were happy with nuclear power and it was really proliferating and actually coal and and natural gas companies are in the energy business, not the coal and natural gas business. And they were actually developing nuclear divisions of their companies back then. And in 1976, uh, the idea was that recycling was going to be the way that we dealt with uh, the used nuclear fuel uh, for obvious reasons. It's got a lot of energy left in it. It makes sense to do that. But because of the proliferation of plutonium, um, President Carter made the decision that that would not happen again. Well, all the companies that were investing in recycling plants went broke, and they haven't regenerated that yet. When uh, Reagan in 1982 reinstated the ability to do recycling uh, of the spent nuclear fuel They'd already moved on to mining and enriching uranium to make fuel. And that's what the industry has done since then. But there's a big issue on, on spent nuclear fuel, mostly generated by this, this fear factor that's out there that started with Three Mile Island. Technically, Three Mile Island is an example of how a reactor worked perfectly. No people were hurt, even though there was um, a failure in the, in the reactor um, system. Nobody got hurt, and there were no injuries from it, and there was no long-term ramifications or anything of that. So it was exactly what an example of how safe a, a nuclear power reactor is, but people turned that into something different. And now uh, we're struggling with that, that, that image and trying to turn that around. Right, and I, I think uh, mostly, Steve, the uh, the public itself is concerned. You have three... Mile Island, you had the Chernobyl accident and uh, Fukushima accident as well. So the perception is uh, is negative. Although what you've just explained is that uh, uh, really that nuclear power is a lot safer uh, to use because of the inherent technical advances in protecting uh, uh, spillage or a, 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 a nuclear reactor uh, contamination okay. that may happen. Is that correct? Yes, nuclear has the best industrial safety record of any other energy production <clears throat> method. Coal, solar, wind, as far as how many injuries and deaths occur as a result of the per you know kilowatt hour generation of power, nuclear beats them by orders of magnitude. So it's kind of strange that people have, have not seen that side of it and have not been presented that side of it. Mm-hmm. And they have been presented the side of what could happen. I mean, we can think of any scenario... Um, if you can, if you can get people to stop driving, if you show a bunch of wrecks that have happened throughout history, and, and that's not fair to people. So it's the same thing here. If it's not fair to really to people to take an advantage of what they might scare them, when they really could have uh, uh, something good in their repertoire, and that's what's happened with nuclear. They've just taken the the fear factor way way beyond limits. 
Yeah, I find it kind of interesting that because of, uh, I guess, uh, political will, uh, public uh, really uh, need uh, alternatives that uh, we see out there, that from a technically and competitive edge, uh, Russia, China, France, UK, India, and others are really developing nuclear technology and, and, and exporting that technology to the world where we once were the leaders in the world. So it, I'm quite curious how we continue to get that uh, leading edge back if we don't do something about uh, producing nuclear power in our country. Yeah, the, the truth is the public just has to hear more <clears throat> about that. And we're trying our best to get some public education going. It's a lot of people and a lot of time, and, and, but we're at the very early edges of this. And, and when you're talking about recycling, they were worried about um, plutonium proliferation. And really, the plutonium that comes from a commercial power reactor is not good plutonium to build a bomb. Technically, right. you can, but that's not, that's not, nobody would go after that to build a bomb, and that's not what uh, North Korea did. North Korea started from scratch, made all their own reactors, uh, separated all their own plutonium, and made their own bombs. So there's really no danger in, in the non-proliferation side that I can see. Um, a lot of people disagree with me, but I'd like, I haven't seen anything that convinces me that a, a terrorist or a nation state will go after spent fuel to try to get the plutonium out. Does it make any sense? Right, right. So now that we've kind of described the international uh, uh, world uh, use of nuclear power and a little bit of the recycling in their future development process, uh, what's that look like here in the United States? Where are we on the current status of nuclear power in the United States, both from a reactor perspective and then what do we need to do to uh, recycle it? We probably only have time for the reactor in the U.S. commitment, how many uh, power plants do we have, how do we use it, and what are we doing? Okay, the real renovation in the United States is called next generation or small module reactor that are going to be probably coming out within about three or four years. They're in the advanced prototype stage now, and there's probably going to people actually order them within five years. And that's a, a, a reactor that you could bury underground they could run for a minimum of seven years. Some of them can run up to 30 years. And then you just come in and replace the whole reactor and put another one in at the end of that time. Those are, uh, and, and you could, in 25 years, you're going to be able to order those like you can a commercial refrigerator or a commercial air conditioner. And it's a very different way to think of, of how we deliver uh, energy in the United States, electrical energy. We're moving toward microgrids, which means you can have a separated grid that services an area or a facility and that can be connected to the national grid but can be disconnected if there's a problem with the national grid. And those open up a whole different realm of how you distribute electricity based on the fact we have a compact, small, uh, safe, uh, smaller kind of reactor. Um, right now, like I said, there's only two power plants being built in the United States right now in Vogel, Georgia, and they're, like I said, coming online in, in uh, a couple um, there's two of them. One is going to come online in a year. The other is going to come online in two years. And that's going to add to the, to the nuclear production. But there's none in, in, in the pipeline as far as large light water reactors that, that are okay. on, on the planning stage. Okay, uh, we've, got a couple of we've got a couple of minutes here. Let me bring in Tom, at least set up for sure. the next segment as we talk about recycling. Tom, I know you're a big push on uh, nuclear uh, recycling fuel. Uh, in our next segment, we're going to cover a lot of that. But can you give me about a 30-second clip of why do we need to recycle here in Virginia? 
Well, here in Virginia, we we are really kind of all about nuclear energy. I mean, most people probably don't know it, but we've got uh, two of the largest uh, you know, uh, naval shipyards that are building nuclear power plants. Uh, we have the largest... Uh, uh, we have uh, the largest port here for the Navy. I mean, and we have a lot of businesses that support that. I mean, we have uh, over 60 companies here, like BWXP, uh, Huntington Ingalls, Arriva, all powerhouses in this industry and support groups that go for each one of these things. And at the same time, we have, uh, uh, you know, uh, the governor put out just something, they signed an executive order. It's going to say, hey, we're going to be... By 2050, we're going to be 100% on uh, electricity being produced by carbon-free sources, wind, solar, nuclear. Uh, okay. Even the past governor. Uh, well, let me, uh, let me just here. summarize, because in the next segment, I'd like to talk about why the U.S. is currently storing nuclear energy and not recycling it. Uh, folks, today, uh, our topic today is recycling nuclear fuel. Is it time now for the U.S. to recycle f- nuclear fuel? Uh, the T32 guests are Mr. Steve Curtis and Mr. Tom Dolan. Uh, Steve has been involved in the nuclear industry for over 30 years. Tom has been involved in law enforcement for 25 years uh, and certified for a radiation response incident command system. And uh, in our next segment, we'll talk about uh, storing nuclear energy or recycling nuclear energy. And we'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you ever experienced the joy of living? Not just at just at just at just aspects of your life, but the true joy of life itself. Barry Shore has. You could call him an ambassador of joy. From a successful entrepreneur to becoming a quadriplegic due to a rare disease to his ongoing recovery through swimming and physical rehabilitation. Barry now presents his gifts to others as host of The Joy of Living. All you need to do is tune in. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on Instagram. Make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows, live events, and around the network. We want to see what you have to share as well. Check us out on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to today tomorrow's technologies to reach the program today please call in to 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 or send an email to today tomorrow's technologies at gmail.com now back to our show 
Welcome back, folks. Let's continue our T3 program, Recycling Nuclear Fuel. Is it time for the U.S. to start recycling nuclear fuel? And before we left in our last uh, break, we talked about uh, storing nuclear energy, and we talked about uh, recycling nuclear energy. I'd like to turn those questions back to Tom and Steve and say, why are we still storing nuclear energy, and why should we start recycling energy? Steve, can you give us a quick uh, background on the sure. cost and the and the uh, transportation system that we have and what each state is doing to store their energy? Yes. Basically, uh, the, the new fuel comes in and sits in the reactor for anywhere from three to five years. depends on how much they want to burn, burn it up. Then it goes into a water pool from anywhere from five to seven years where it sits in water, it gets recycled, and it cools down physically and radioactively. And then after five to seven years, it's, it's cool enough that it can, it can air cool. It doesn't need the water anymore. So they put them in something called dry cast storage. You put them into big reinforced concrete containers and then put them on this and leave them out on the site. So right now, all the spent fuel that's been used in the history of, of uh, nuclear reactors is, is sitting on each site where the reactors were. And some have been sitting there 20 years after they've decommissioned them and they have no problem with them. There's no uh, radiation danger from them because they're highly shielded and there's actually been nobody shown any interest in trying to get a hold of them. And so that's the way they sit now. The trouble is that 90%, 95% of the energy is still sitting in there. And if we can, there's a lot of reasons to recycle. And one of the one of the most pronounced ones is that it sounds like the right thing to do to people. When you talk about people, should we bury waste or should we recycle it? Overwhelmingly, they think that recycling is the right thing to do. So that has a lot to do with what you're going to do because now the public opinion is turning in your favor a little bit. Okay, there's actually existing plutonium from our weapons program that we'd like to uh, get rid of, and the best way to get rid of that is to, to put it into reactor and turn it into energy. And we can do that as part of the recycling process to uh, make something called mixed oxide fuel, and that's something that was uh, contemplated, again, 43 years ago and, and put to bed. Um, another thing is we don't want to pass this on to another generation. One of the main things that Carter said when he did, said what he did was that we don't want to pass this problem even on to one generation. And when they started talking about Yucca Mountain in the late 80s, they started, we don't want to turn this on to another generation. But the truth is we've almost completed two generations and not taking care of this. And so my idea is it's time to think of a way that it might work instead of beating our heads over the wall of ways that it hasn't worked. Recycling also actually costs a lot less than the burial system of it. And basically it's the right thing to do. So right now, it's the, the cost of keeping those um, spent fuel casks on the sites runs to about a billion dollars a year on the average over the next five years. It's about $750 million now. It's going to go up to about $1.25 in five years as they add more casks to the pile than they're, than they're going to cost more for the government to take care of it. And the reason that is is because the government in, the 19th, in 1976 said we'll take responsibility for it and now has no place to put it. So that's why that cost is going up and, 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 and coming out of the federal budget every year. One of the things you've uh, talked Go ahead, Tom. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, uh, on top of that, uh, the, the fuel that's, the used fuel that's sitting there, uh, you know, if anything ever does go with it, it, it it's, it's radioactive for hundreds of thousands of years. 
by recycling it and going through the power facility a second time, the radioactivity of it is only 300 years. And as it's passing, it's dropping off dramatically. Uh, so it makes a big difference with, with that to begin with. So I just wanted to point that out. Right. And I want to address, the, I guess, the two major obstacles that uh, forced Carter to sign the prohibition on nuclear uh, spent fuel recycling. And it's been 42 years since he made that. Uh, was uh, it, The nuclear spent fuel was not cost effective. And I think we need to address that a little bit more and to understand what is that cost. And the second one, I think, Steve, you did a pretty good job on, was uh, it could lead to proliferation of nuclear uh, weapons, and both uh, that particular one has not evolved as predicted because of the difficulty in the technology that people have to bring in order to produce uh, weapon-grade uh, uranium. Is uh, Can you explain a little bit of the cost and then just touch on the proliferation, why that is not a valid statement anymore, or we've proven it wrong? Okay, but that the the first part about it not being cost effective was not the reason that Carter uh, turned it down. It was cost effective. It was uh, there were commercial and uh, private investor money put into commercial recycling facilities, and they worked quite well. And um, when, like I said, when he decided that because of the perforation aspects of it, those people all went out of business and lost their money. So they they didn't think highly of going to invest in a recycling system after that. Um, the the cost right now of, of mining uranium is lower than the cost of recycling, and that's true. But there's a limited amount of uranium. There's lots of uranium around. There's no um, there's no um, shortage anticipated in the near future. But with so many more reactors going in, there's only so much uranium. And there one one part of it is that the, we we've stopped mining domestic uranium. And uh, President Trump is a big fan of, of uh, us being self-sufficient for energy and has taken an issue with the fact that we don't produce a lot of it here. Only 5% of the uranium we use is produced in the United States. So that kind of worries him for the reason we don't want to import oil or coal or anything else. And so if you do recycle it, now you have a repository of uranium that you can use for the future instead of just throwing it away and burying it forever. Um, the cost of a, a reprocessing facility is something around $25 billion. Now, that sounds like a lot, but when you're in the nuclear business, there's a lot, a lot of profit and a lot, a lot of cost. But, but um, the, the cost of burying it now looks to be about $200 billion. So there is a, a huge cost benefit to just go ahead and recycling it. Now, I might have oversimplified it because, like Tom said, the 3% of the fission products have to be put away for about 300 years and they're actually the rest of it can be burned but you have to ask yourself do you want to burn it so what you do is you can take the uranium, uranium either re-enrich it you can mix it with plutonium or actually they're going to um, reprocess the naval fuel which is highly enriched uranium and you can blend that down to whatever uh, level you want and right now we're looking at next generation reactors where we use uh, all the way from depleted uranium, they can use completely depleted uranium in some of the reactor design, all the way up to 20% enriched uranium. So as these new um, reactors come online for the small modular reactors of the future, they're going to need different kinds of, of uh, fuel um, types types of systems, and that's what's something that, that can be done in a recycling process. If you 
set up your recycling process to anticipate what the end fuel um, requirement's going to be. Uh, you're way ahead of the game. So uh, basically recycling can take on several different notions. There's uh, uh, something called fast reactors that can burn the spent fuel directly. So there's something called dry reprocessing, which means they crumble it all up, stuff it into different uh, size, different other sizes of, uh, uh, of fuel reactors and put it into a fast reactor system. Now, you still have the fission products in there, and so one of my contentions is that they're going to want to re- re- they're going to want to take the fission products out because the fission products are no good for energy after after they've been after they've been once through. And right. so let me let me just quickly recap because uh, sure. I think it's important uh, both you and Steve brought out that three to five percent of the spent uh, nuclear power fuel uh, for recycling uh, that. Out of five percent is uh, burnable uh, uranium, and we need to probably package that for the three hundred years. Then there's ninety five percent that's left over of usable uranium that could be recycled, and that's just like uh, if I quote uh, Jack Spencer, Vice President of the Institute of Economic Freedom, back in two thousand seven. He says for over the last four decades, American reactors have produced about fifty six. Uh, thousand tons of used fuel. That waste contains roughly enough energy to power every household for 12 years. And it's like asking every American to fill up their tank and dump 50% of their uh, gas onto the ground or asking someone to buy a gallon of milk and doing the same thing. It's just wasteful. And we ought to start talking about how to recycle. The problem that I see right now and my major concern is not that we continue to produce nuclear uh, power and we have done that very well it's reduction of production of nuclear power because of the storage uh, or the way we store nuclear uh, waste fuel currently and and to alter that system we need to begin the recycling I think that's what the two points Tom and, and yourself are trying to make that it is time to look at quit storing because it's costing us uh, about, uh, what did you say, $2 billion uh, to store it. $2 billion a year, yeah. Yeah, and then it's time to reinvest that into recycling because we're throwing away 95% of usable fuel. Can you comment on that a little bit, uh, Steve, and then Tom? Sure. Yeah, that's absolutely right. You hit the nail on the head there because really only 3% of this we – we need to put away. There's uh, a couple other aspects of it. It does actually produce plutonium while you're uh, running a reactor and it actually burns some of that plutonium in the reactor during the process of producing energy. But when you shut the reactor down, there's about a 1% uh, amount that's left that's plutonium inside the, the used nuclear fuel. Now, you can separate that out, mix it up with the reagent that's in there and make something called mixed oxide fuel, which is what France does and what we should do. And but there's a lot of other options. You can you, there's a new way to process called pyroprocessing that actually is electrode inside of a of a uh, ionic liquid that separates the metal out from a from a solution. That's something that's in the prototype stage that could be coming down the pike. So there's many many options that we can we can use for this. So anything you think of, Tom? Yeah. Well, at the same point. All the used nuclear fuel in the United States right now would fit into a football field, okay? 
Now, if you figure that the 4%, the 5% that's, that's, that we still would have to be stored uh, after it's already recycled, you have to figure it's going to be in a quarter of the space of a football field. Uh, you know, it, it's just that, and, and it's not saying that in the future we can't find out a use for that, uh, you know, that waste. Right now, that, that 3 or 4% will be waste, but, you know, uh, if we have a national lab dedicated to, uh, you know, renewables and uh, nuclear energy, maybe we'll find a use for that at the same point. So, uh, that's but important to remember that this will, this will never be shipped or stored as a liquid. It will be vitrified yeah. in a ceramic yeah. material like, you know, the consistency of a coffee cup. And okay. so that's a lot of people fear that this could get into the environment or leak out or something. That's just not the case. Okay. Well, let's talk about the nuclear uh, industry in Virginia. Uh, Tom, you started off uh, both from a naval facility generating nuclear, uh, uh, well, use of nuclear power, and then, of course, the need for recycling versus storage there, and also to two reactors that we have. I know you're making a big push to have Virginia become the first state in the recycling process. Can you tell me how that is coming along and uh, what you, how you're doing on your outreach? Well, we're doing, uh, you know, this is a grassroots thing, but we've actually uh, managed to, uh, we're, we're going to have a sit-down with uh, the Department of Energy's uh, uh, Assistant Director for the Nuclear Energy uh, in the middle of January uh, to uh, tell her our, uh, our uh, plan and how we could probably work together. We're, we're looking for a governor of any one of the states to actually uh, do this. And it's a windfall for whatever state decides to because there is so much more uh, high-tech jobs, more universities, all the way down to the high schools and stuff. And, and Virginia is already set up for this. It, it's, you know, the last governor, uh, the past governor, uh, Bob McDonald, uh, and the General Assembly back in 2013, they created a nuclear energy consortium authority strictly for making Virginia a national and global leader in nuclear energy uh, to make it, you know, to advance it. Uh, we have four representatives here from Virginia who uh, just uh, they put together a bill uh, they're going to hopefully get passed. It's called the uh, Nuclear Energy Leadership Act, strictly to show the nuclear uh, the uh, Secretary of Energy to his uh, advanced nuclear energy goals in the United States and Virginia. Uh, we we have the largest port, uh, a naval port here, and basically. We have six out of ten naval nuclear-powered aircraft carriers are assigned here. It's their home base. Uh, we have seven universities, you know, and uh, other institutions that have uh, nuclear programs, uh, two federal nuclear research laboratories. Uh, I mean, and we have all the backup uh, companies that help these places out. It's, it's we, we have, you know, two commercially... Uh, uh, you know, from Dominion, uh, power plants here, nuclear power plants. They already got a third approved uh, uh, reactor that uh, they actually put on the shelf for, for some reason. But uh, it, it's really a, a great place all across uh, Virginia. Uh, another large part, portion is down in uh, uh, Lynchburg. A lot of nuclear energy, DWXP, uh, they have their home here. Huntington uh, Engels, Riva. And they're offshoot companies. And it just makes sense to, you know, 
we're right here at Mecca. Uh, we're here at, you know, we're right south of uh, Washington, D.C., the main place for everything to happen. And it's time for us, Virginia, to step forward and, and start getting this going, uh, especially okay. with uh, Governor Ralph Northam, who signed the executive okay. order. He's saying by 2050, we're going to be 100% of electricity here and uh, to be carbon-free, whether it's wind, uh, solar, or nuclear. Here it is. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're talking to Mr. Steve Curtis, who's worked in the radiation nuclear uh, power uh, industry for over 30 years. And, of course, uh, uh, Mr. Tom Dolan, uh, aviation uh, degree with 25 years uh, experience in law enforcement. Both of them are entrepreneurs working on how and why we need to recycle nuclear fuel. And in the next section, we'll talk a little bit more on the recycling of nuclear fuel and why it's so important in the United States get started and we'll be right back have you friended us on facebook yet why not just go to facebook.com forward slash voice america or search for the keywords voice america once you are part of our facebook network you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows this week's featured guests and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. We all know that today our country is in many ways run by vested interests, which have accumulated large amounts of power for themselves and at our expense. But this can be changed by recognizing the problems and then by adopting libertarian solutions to address them. Tune into All Rise, the Libertarian Way with Judge Jim Gray. Judge Gray and his guests will discuss the problem areas of today and then present solutions that result in a better world for ourselves and and our children. Tune in Fridays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Accidents, injuries, hazards of all kinds. It seems like everything you do has something dangerous attached to it. Everyday safety is important to us all. Yet where can you get the information you need to prevent injuries and accidents? Tune in for Todd Murray and his program, Safety is Your First Choice. From safety in the home to the car in your workplace, as well as anywhere that you need to be prepared, he'll cover a range of topics. Tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Variety. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to todaytomorrowstechnologies at gmail.com. Now, back to our show. 
Welcome back, folks. Let's continue with the T3 program today, Tomorrow's Technologies. And our topic today is recycling nuclear fuel. Is it time for the U.S. to do it now? And my two guests today are Mr. Steve Curtis, has worked in the radiation nuclear profession for more than 30 years, currently advancing nuclear energy as a way to contribute to clean energy production, and his ideas on recycling use nuclear fuel are gaining attention throughout the country. Uh, again, I'm a, uh, we have Mr. Tom Dolan, a aviation degree pioneer here with 25 years experience in law enforcement. Uh, Tom has certificates in national response uh, plan and state disaster, incident command systems, national incident management system, radiation energy response. Uh, gentlemen, welcome back. Uh, we're going to start our third segment here. Uh, what I'd like you to focus on is we spent uh, the first period talking about the international community of nuclear power, how the Chinese, Russian, India, and the uh, international world continue to produce uh, nuclear power and really advancing the recycling of nuclear fuel and that's something that the U.S. has to get started again or at least think about it because currently uh, while production of nuclear power hasn't uh, uh, has drawn down a little bit from its heyday in the 70s it's really uh, you're still uh, collecting nuclear uh, uh, waste or used fuel and 95% of that used fuel is still uh, capable of producing more energy and in fact we we quoted uh uh, I think Mr. Spencer here, Jack Spencer, Vice President of the Institute of Economic Freedom, who said that the reactors can produce over uh, 56 tons of useful fuel. I think today is up to 98 tons of used fuel. This is an article that was written in 2007. But uh, what was interesting there is that that waste contained roughly energy to power U.S. households for 12 years. So the bottom line is we're throwing away used usable fuel. And I think Steve did a good job covering that. We'll continue doing that. And then Tom talked a little bit about Virginia, why it's important for Virginia to start thinking about not just storing fuel because everybody's holding fuel in place currently by law and by necessity, but we need to start thinking about recycling. So Steve, uh, as we move to the third segment of the show, let's, let's uh, give me about three or four key components that you want to leave the audience with as they think about recycling uh, nuclear power? Well, let me uh, talk a little bit about how I started uh, thinking about uh, this, this uh, approach to use nuclear fuel. I grew, uh, spent 38 years in Nevada, and I dealt with this issue on a, a, almost a daily basis because the state was digging their heels in and not accepting nuclear fuel, and we in our community thought we, that they should. So when I, when, I walk, when I thought about that, I thought, what is it that people don't like about spent nuclear fuel? And then there came to me that they call it waste. Okay, so we talked about how it's not really waste. So I thought maybe if we looked at it in a different, a different vernacular, maybe we looked at it as, as a valuable national asset. Maybe people could start seeing a little bit more of their way through to accepting some of the benefits that nuclear power has. So that's when I, I started uh, talking about recycling uh, use nuclear fuel. And I'm getting pushback from the industry because they like mining uranium and, and, and enriching uranium and making it uh, fuel out of that. Although there's uh, more co- proponents than you, you would think 
as they come around to thinking about a little different perspective. So we're making some inroads there. Um, people basically like the idea of nuclear. I mean, they like that it's a compact, clean energy source. It didn't start out to be a clean energy source. It just started out to be an energy source uh, when we first nuclear reactor was uh, installed in 1957. And people loved it. Eisenhower started the Atoms for Peace, and John Kennedy continued that um, that attitude, and, and people were really in, in, in favor of it. And, in fact, um, we're, we're marching down the road to do this uh, in, a, in a much bigger way. Now, one of the maybe the good things of not building more light water reactors is we focused our research into the next generation reactor. So when you're talking about the transition here, there's going to be a, probably a, at least a generation or two transition from the current nuclear uh, light water reactor to the next generation reactor. And that's going to be an exciting time. Now, when you consider the fact that there's probably going to be electric cars predominate in another two generations, all of our power is going to come from electricity. And if you look at the, the um, limit, every, every power source has its limitations. And nuclear does, and wind does, and solar does. So what you need to look at it is from an from a, a overall perspective of how are we going to mix these different types of, of uh, power sources into our paradigm. And let's use them where they make sense. Let's not just force all wind and solar where that doesn't make sense. Let's not force all nuclear where that doesn't make sense. Let's lose, use all the assets we have at our disposal. And like Tom said, who knows what next generation um, of fuel systems are in line. We're already marking down the road of fusion energy, and that's probably 50 to 100 years away before that becomes practical. And um, there's uh, another idea that they've been floating that, uh, called space-based power. Well, they can put a huge... Uh, solar panel out in space and then microwave energy down to the surface. And that's what sounds like to me to be 50 to 100 years off. So when we, when we talk about how we want to transition to the next generation, we want to think about how we want to make that work to the best of our advantages. And um, like I said, solar and wind have their place, but they're subsidized. People won't use them unless they're subsidized. So it tells you that they're not quite cost-effective yet in what they're looking at, and they haven't looked at how to recycle the stuff at the end of their lifetimes either. Now, we just heard that uh, uh, Turkey Point in, has two reactors in, in Florida that have been expanded uh, to, to 80 years' life. They've extended out of their 60-year life. They've been approved to go another 20 years to an 80-year life. So when you look at the economics of it, you've got to look at how long the reactor is going to last you, and you've got to look at how much time the power is online. So uh, wind and solar may be online 25% of the time. 25 to 30% of the time. But nuclear is on, online 95% of the time. So that's something that's called base load power. And so when you try to integrate an in, intermittent power like wind and solar, you, you need to do some special things on the grid to make that valuable. And sometimes you have to throw that energy away or actually pay to have them use that energy when the, more energy is being produced than is being used. So that's the current situation within the community right now. But my thought is if, if we're going to get rid of nuclear, that means we've got to build a baseload power source of natural gas or coal, which are fossil fuels, to back up the nuclear in, uh, intermittency thing. Now, they're talking about batteries coming online, but those aren't perfected yet, and maybe they will be uh, valuable someday. But right now, nuclear looks to be the best idea to make a baseload on all the time power source, and it's even going to be more compact and more useful in the future. 
So if we, if we can get people to come to grips with the fact that waste isn't a horrible, bad problem, and we can actually use that to our benefit, I think we can see people starting to come along and, and, and like a nuclear. And that's up to us on the grassroots level, like Tom said. We've got to put that out there. We've got to educate people. We've got to answer their questions. But the next step to that is people have to get interested in it. They have to start asking the questions. They have to start understanding the benefits and, and potential and then um, sorting through in their minds the things that they think are bad. And that's where we can come in to help them. So right now, it's, uh, yeah. most people are in favor of nuclear. I find it even in Nevada. But they just don't care. As long as they go home, turn the light switch on, the power comes on, they're kind of okay with it. But this is okay. moving. Okay. So, Tom, let's, uh, let's yeah. focus on, on Virginia well, what people and, don't, and why Virginia. Yeah, what people really don't realize with this also is uh, right now to put in two power plants side by side, if you put in natural gas, it's going to be online a lot faster and it'll be much cheaper in the short term. But in the long term, nuclear energy, after 20 years, it's really just blows away any other form of uh, electrical uh, generation. It's it just, it's, it's amazing. But, you know, uh, as Steve is saying, you know, it's only waste if you waste it. This is a valuable asset to the country. And I, I think those terms you were talking about earlier for 12 years, I think it's well past that for uh, being able to fuel the country. But, uh, you know, with Virginia, uh, there could be over, a, a, you know, or whatever state decides to do it. But I think since Virginia is already trying to uh, uh, be, by 2050, uh, you know, carbon-free energy sources only, uh, it could be a fi- over a $5 billion and uh, a year income, 1,500 new jobs in the, in the state of Virginia alone. Uh, there's, there's many things that we could ask for from the government when we say, yeah, we'll take the spent nuclear fuel, the used nuclear fuel, and recycle it. But we can ask them for stuff that's not really too too tough right now for maybe, let's say, micro, microgrid uh, you know, research or even the Department of Defense matured energy development. Stuff like that is not a big ask. But in right. 5, 10, 15 years from now, it's going to be a huge huge uh, income to whoever has this stuff uh, okay. at the same time, possibly a carbon free uh, national laboratory right here, you know, just to, to work with others and, you know, and just advance any, any carbon free energy that, that we have. So, Well, Tom, uh, the four nuclear reactors, uh, two in North Anna and two in Surrey, uh, they're generating about approximately a little bit over 30% of the state's electricity, while I guess comments are that there's no greenhouse uh, effects or or gases being emitted, and nuclear power is uh, reliable around the clock, one of the statements that uh, uh, Steve uh, mentioned earlier, and currently it employs about 1,800 workers. So by moving from a storage capability of nuclear fuel spent fuel to a recycling spent fuel uh, you're talking about adding of over 1500 jobs and and the second order university research that'll happen uh, and other businesses that will grow up through the recycling process and the opportunity to invest heavily by 2050 is uh, improve along the way any other comments that you can add to this uh, discussion and why now 
Well, you brought up the business case, right. and that's that's a very good uh, that's a very good approach to that. What we're trying to do is generate a way to put together a project office to bring all these ideas together and to get a governor to actually make a statement to the federal government that, yes, we'll take the spent nuclear fuel. Not, no governor has done that yet. But if you okay. do that, then the, the, the idea that the government has now is they want a public-private organization or a corporation to run that for DOE. Anything to do with the spent fuel moving down the road has to, is not going to be run by DOE but a public-private corporation. And that, that project office could morph into that public-private uh, corporation, if you play it right, well, that's going to that's going to be a minimum of five billion dollars a year business. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you consider that the uh, the energy business in 2016, counting cars and electricity and everything, was over a trillion dollars, and that gets to be some sizable amount of money. And if you only got five percent of that business, you get a fifty do- a fifty billion dollar business. So it's a hugely profitable area to be in. And if you mm-hmm. and the first state that's going to going to take that probably won't be able to do everything in the state, but we'll certainly have a, a position to run how that business works in the future. Okay. So, that's so what we're Tom, we've got, we got two minutes left. Um, Tom, take a minute of that uh, and uh, wrap it up on your side for Virginia, and then I'll, I'll summarize the program. Yeah, ba- basically what, what Steve just said is, you know, the first state that decides, okay, we're going to do this, isn't going to be, it, they're going to be in a driver's seat. They'll be able to, you know, affect policy. And, you know, uh, we're going to have to also solicit from other states who are already in the nuclear business, you know, their help and assistance. So it's not only just for one state, but one state to say, let's, you know, let's put this, you know, storage problem behind us and let's move forward. It's been a, a bump in the road for nuclear energy for years and years. And so much money just being thrown at it. And nothing's happened, but at the same time, it's a positive way to move forward and use the fuel that's in the, the, the used fuel and just uh, uh, let's, let's go for it. And it could be, you know, whatever state has it, there's possibilities from, you know, doing if we can now be in line with China, compete with them and uh, start, to, you know, installing reactors abroad. I think our new... Uh, okay. Uh, Secretary of Energy has just said that, that we need to start putting our uh, reactors elsewhere. Tom, I've got about 30 seconds left. Uh, uh, People want to reach out and get more information. What's your website? Yeah, it's it's, um, HTTPS, you know, slash, slash. It's uh, Virginia uh, hyphen. Uh, recycles hyphen SNF. So that's uh, spentnuclearfuel.com. Perfect, perfect. And today's uh, topic was nuclear power. Uh, uh, we were talking about uh, recycling nuclear fuel. Is it time for the U.S. to do so? And my two guests was uh, Steve Curtis with over 30 years and uh, Tom Dolan in law enforcement with over 25 years. And I'd like to thank the audience for participating and listening to our show. Uh, as I, I said, uh, recycling nuclear fuel is the time right for the U.S. Uh, thank you very much, and we'll see everybody next week. Thank you for listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. We hope you'll join your host, Jose Negron, for another exciting program next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Enjoy the rest of your week.